We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 438 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. It is Election Day 2022. The midterm elections, they finally have arrived. Uh, Will the red wave that has long been anticipated take place? Might we end up with a red tsunami? Or is all of this talk about a red wave or a red tsunami going to end up being a big bust? Uh, I'll let you figure that out. If only we could vote people in and out of jobs in sports. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Exactly how long ago would Dan Snyder have been voted out of his office as owner of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders? Hello and welcome to this Election Day Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Hey, we have a new entrant into the commander's ownership sweepstakes, a longtime fan of the team, superstar actor Matthew McConaughey, who, as you may know, is a friend of Dan Snyder. Report from the New York Post on Monday evening, quote, actor Matthew McConaughey is joining the Jeff Bezos, Jay-Z-led contingent vying to buy the Washington Commanders from embattled owner Dan Snyder, a source told the Post. Matthew has always been a huge fan, and his ties with the team go way back, the source said. They support his foundation and he's good pals with Dan Snyder, end quote. So, Matthew McConaughey, first Jeff Bezos, then Jay-Z, now Matthew McConaughey. As he famously said in the movie, dazed and confused, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Yes, sir. All right, all right. Meantime, another loss for another NFC team, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they fell to 3-6 and six with a 27-13 home loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. Yes, it is true that our commanders are flawed, uh, but it also is true that the NFC this season is far from daunting. Uh, just five of the 16 teams in the NFC 
have winning records in this 2022 regular season. And three of the five teams are in the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New York Giants. Uh, Of course, the Commanders could have had a winning record had they held on to beat the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon instead of blowing the 17-7 fourth quarter lead in what ended up being a 2017 loss. But such is life. Uh, Coming up on the show, I have a lot for you on the four and five Commanders as opposed to the five and four Commanders. Uh, Next segment, the quarterback situation for this season. Where are we where are we going? And what's going to enter into the thinking that determines where we're going? Speaking of quarterbacks, by the way, how about the former Maryland quarterback, Frank Reich, fired as Indianapolis Colts head coach on Monday. And the Colts interim head coach is former Colts center Jeff Saturday, who has zero formal college or NFL coaching experience and had been working as an NFL analyst for ESPN since 2013. I tell you, Dan Snyder's buddy, Colts owner and CEO Jim Ursay, he has had quite the last few weeks with his team. First, the benching of starting quarterback Matt Ryan. Now the firing of Frank Reich and the hiring of Jeff Saturday as interim head coach. Hey, maybe commander's quarterback Carson Wentz wasn't the entirety of the Colts' problems last season. Anyway, also on the show, I'm going to get into some items regarding the commander's defense off some things that head coach Rod Rivera said during what was a day-after-the-game conference call on Monday morning, including a look at some key standouts for the commanders via pro football focus and some playing time observations. You know, we actually had a notable benching in the commander's secondary on Sunday afternoon. Uh, also on the show, I'm talking Capitals and Wizards. Each team won on Monday night. The injury ravaged Caps had a monster night on the power play in a 5-4 win over the Edmonton Oilers at Capital One Arena. The Wizards, uh, they remained without Bradley Beal and DeLon Wright, but won at the Charlotte Hornets, who themselves were without some key players. 108-100. As the rise of this guy, Jordan Goodwin, continued, uh, and I'll hit on college basketball. The 2022-2023 college basketball season has begun. Maryland, number 18, Virginia, and Virginia Tech all in action on Monday night. Each team won some big individual performances, including a rather impressive Hokies debut for Grant Basile, a graduate student transfer from Wright State. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Michael King on the passing of the man who I think is the best interior defensive lineman in Redskins history, Dave Butts. Uh, We learned of Dave's passing on Friday. He was 72, writes Michael. I was saddened by this, Goldie. Dave Butts, one of the super skins. Amazing where the time has gone. A little sad and scary too, I think. I'm 54 and remember it all so well. Uh, Thank you for the email, Michael. Yeah, uh, rest in peace, Dave Butts. Uh, Really good career. You know, he was a top five pick in an NFL draft. Uh, He was taken by the St. Louis Cardinals with the number five pick in the 1973 NFL draft out of Purdue. Uh, He played for the Skins for 14 seasons, 1975 through 1988. He had the most iconic helmet in Skins history. Uh, His battered and scarred helmet was tremendous. Uh, Pat Summerall and John Madden in calling Skins games on CBS in the 1980s used to go nuts 
over Dave Butts' helmet. Pro Football Reference has a metric called approximate value or AV. It's kind of like wins above replacement war in baseball. Dave Butts is eighth in franchise history in regular season approximate value. He was that good for that long for the Skids. Uh, Truly great player. Uh, Corner Daryl Green, by the way, is number one in franchise history in regular season approximate value. Email from Wendell Hicks on the commander's loss to the Vikings, writes Wendell, all I could think about after this loss to the Vikings is what could have been. This was not only a winnable game, but a game for which the commanders had the recipe to win. At the beginning of the fourth quarter, why did they get away from running the ball? While the final rushing numbers weren't eye-popping, it was very effective and kept them out of long-to-go situations. Scott Turner has to have patience with the running game, especially because of my second issue with him, the lack of adjustment and pass protection. Tay-Tay was under duress all day. Zadarius Smith is having an elite season, but you have to find a way to not allow him to wreck your offense. As if losing wasn't bad enough, seeing Kirk dancing on the plane was even worse. All the best, despite our commanders. Uh, Thank you for the email, Wendell. Yeah, that video of Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins dancing on the Vikings plane uh, with his shirt off uh, was not fun to watch if you are a Commanders fan, especially if you are a Commanders fan like me, who was a Kirk jerk, who was screaming for the Redskins to re-sign him to a long-term contract extension in the 2016 and 2017 offseasons. I did not have a problem with offensive coordinator Scott Turner in that loss to the Vikings not calling more runs. Uh, The running game Really wasn't good. Uh, Receiver Curtis Samuel and tight end Armani Rogers combined for two carries for 40 yards, but running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson combined for 24 carries for 80 yards. Uh, That works out to just 3.33 yards per carry. I get the idea of sticking with the run. There is merit to that. But, you know, it's not like Scott Turner called an inordinate number of passing plays versus running plays. And the truth is that the commander's running game this season just hasn't been very good. But I am with Wendell on Scott's inability to figure out how to better protect his quarterbacks. Uh, This has been maybe the number one problem with Scott's Washington offenses. In games in which Washington's pass protection struggles, uh, Scott does not do a good enough job of scheming out of those struggles. Uh, This goes back to a game in Scott's first season as Washington offensive coordinator, the 2020 game against the Los Angeles Rams, uh, a 30-10 loss to the Rams at FedEx Field in October 2020. That was the game in which Washington got wrecked by Aaron Donald. Uh, And yes, Aaron Donald is one of the best interior defensive linemen in NFL history, but he in the game had four sacks and a forced fumble. I mean, can you do better than allowing Aaron Donald, as great as he is, to have four sacks and a forced fumble? And we have seen in games this season an inability to scheme out of pressure. The 24-8 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3 comes to mind. The 25-10 loss at the Dallas Cowboys at Week 4 comes to mind. Uh, Email from Rich on the commander's quarterback situation writes, Rich, chants of Heineke, Heineke from the crowd clearly mean that Wentz is not playing this year unless Tay-Tay gets injured. Thank you for the email, Rich. Uh, Well, if the commanders are letting crowd chants at FedEx Field dictate how the team handles its quarterback situation, then things are worse. Uh, Than we realized. Uh, The reason not to play Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke 
again this season. It needs to be because the team truly believes that uh, Taylor, that Tay-Tay, gives the team the best chance to win. How the fans feel should have zero to do with the decision-making at quarterback. The opinions of fans matter on many things, but lineup decisions are not one of those things. Uh, That said, no doubt, there is a popularity to Taylor Heineke that's undeniable. And it was interesting that it was a photo of Taylor, not a photo of Carson Wentz that was used in an ad for Commander's season tickets on the video board at FedEx Field. Uh, NFL insider Tom Pelissero of NFL Network and NFL.com tweeted out a photo of that on Sunday morning. Although I don't read too much into that in terms of like how the team is feeling at quarterback. I just think that Taylor's a popular guy. He's currently the team starting quarterback. He had just led the team to two big wins, so it was a photo of him that was used in the ad. Uh, much more on the commander's quarterback situation next segment. Hard to say where this season is taking us at quarterback for the team. Uh, hard to say where our economy is going. There's a lot to take in with that these days, but something that's counterintuitive but true is that now actually is a good time to buy a home. Yes, mortgage rates have gone up, but that has led to an increase in housing inventory, and that increase is driving down prices. You right now can get really good homes in the Washington, D.C. area at bargain prices. And remember, you can always refinance once the mortgage rates come back down, and they will come back down. And so if you or someone who you know is interested in buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L dot com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want. No matter your age, family situation, or financial situation, Kellen Hunt can help you. He is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Who doesn't want some extra money right now? Give it inflation. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Visit closeitwithkell.com. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you by booking an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at closeitwithkell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit closeitwithkell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Well, there was something very appropriate about the Commanders' 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon happening with Kirk Cousins as the Vikings' starting quarterback in a game in which the Commanders got yet another mediocre to poor performance from a quarterback. Uh, They lost to a team that was quarterbacked by the one guy, the one guy, who has given Washington consistently good quarterback play over multiple seasons since Mark Rippon had his great three-season run from 1989 through 1991. 
You'll notice that I last week on the podcast did not do a Kirk Cousins segment. Uh, I did no revisiting of the Kirk Cousins situation. I did no rehashing of the Kirk Cousins saga. The Kirk Cousins, wait for it, cha-cha-cha. Yes, the cha-cha-cha. And the biggest reason that I did no revisiting or rehashing of Kirk's time as a Redskins quarterback is because it's ancient history at this point. Kirk was a Redskins quarterback from 2012 through 2017. 2017 was five years ago now. That's a lifetime in the NFL. Think about everything that has happened with Washington on and off the field since Kirk left as an unrestricted free agent in March 2018. And so to go through all that transpired during Kirk's time with the Skins felt like a waste of time. And I'm certainly not going to go through all that transpired during Kirk's time with the Skins right now. But two things for the purpose of where we are at with the Commanders right now. Number one, uh, the Redskins so butchered the Kirk Cousins situation, not only in not signing him to a multi-year contract extension after either the 2015 or 2016 season, but then in not trading him. If you weren't going to do one, then you needed to do the other, and the Skins ultimately did neither. Number two, Washington hasn't come close to truly replacing Kirk Cousins since he left. And it's that second point that stuck with me in watching the commander's loss to Kirk and the Vikings on Sunday afternoon, even though Kirk did not have a very good game. But this guy left Washington five years ago now, five freaking years ago, and it still hasn't come close to truly replacing him. Washington, since Kirk left, has started 11 different quarterbacks in regular season and postseason games. Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Garrett Gilbert, and Carson Wentz. That is quite a list, man. Uh, In the meantime, Kirk Cousins still has not missed a single game due to injury or poor performance since becoming a starting quarterback prior to the start of the 2015 regular season. Say what you want about Kirk as a quarterback, and a lot can be said, but he has been extremely durable, and he has been a franchise quarterback. And so, as we're now more than halfway through season number five of Washington trying to truly replace Kirk Cousins, to say nothing of trying to do better than Kirk, uh, I ask you, what lies ahead for the commanders at quarterback the rest of this season? The short answer is, who the heck knows? Washington is in the midst of a fifth consecutive season of bad quarterback play. Carson Wentz, of course, was the commander starting quarterback for their first six games of the 2022 regular season. Taylor Heineke, of course, has been the commander starting quarterback for their last three games. You can quibble with who has been better, and that in and of itself is a problem given that the commanders traded multiple draft picks to the Indianapolis Colts for Carson this past March, and he this season has a salary cap hit of $28.3 million as compared to Taylor's cap hit of $3.63 million. But the truth is that neither guy has killed it. Uh, Carson's and Taylor's combined numbers for the 2022 regular season, 15 touchdown passes versus nine interceptions, a yards per pass attempt of 6.54, a completion percentage of 62.3. Those are uninspiring numbers. Uh, Not all of that is on Carson and Taylor. 
the commander's offensive line this season has been a big disappointment. But, you know, no sane person would argue that the commander's quarterback play this season has been great. Uh, Now, there have been good games. Uh, Carson, to me, has played well in three of his six games. The win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in Week 1. The loss at the Detroit Lions in Week 2, although Carson was really bad in the first half of that game. And the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5. Taylor, to me, played well in the win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7. Although, remember, he was atrocious over the first 17 minutes of that game. And he played well in the win at the Indianapolis Colts in Week 8. So it's not like Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke have been nothing but horrendous this season. Each guy has played well at times, but each guy's bad has been quite bad. Uh, ESPN's total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. A total QBR of, say, 35 is quite bad. Carson and Taylor in the 2022 regular season have combined for four games of total QBRs of 35 or worse, and only once has either guy had a total QBR of better than 50. Uh, That was Taylor in that win at the Colts. Uh, The Commanders' next game, the game at the 8-0 and NFL-leading Philadelphia Eagles this Monday night at 8-15, will be the fourth and final game that Carson has to miss with him being on the reserve injured list. Uh, He has been on that since October 22nd due to a fractured ring finger on his right hand that he suffered in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football in week six. He underwent surgery for the fractured right ring finger on October 17th. I do think that if this Monday night Taylor plays poorly and the commanders lose, and if Carson then is healthy enough to play, that head coach Ron Rivera may well go back to Carson as a team starting quarterback. I don't know that it's accurate to say that Taylor's spot as the starting quarterback is on the line in this game at the Eagles because Carson's health has a lot to do with that, but Taylor's spot as the starting quarterback could be on the line in this game at the Eagles. Uh, There are a number of things to be thinking about with all of this right now. Uh, You, of course, have the 70% thing Uh, The fact that among the items that the commanders gave up to the Colts for Carson Wentz via trade this past March was a third-round pick in the 2023 NFL Draft that can become a second-round pick in the 2023 draft. The pick will become a second-round pick if Carson plays on at least 70% of the commander's offensive snaps in the 2022 regular season. 70% of a 17-game regular season is about 12 games. Carson only missing four games due to the fractured right ring finger would make it so that he still could end up playing on at least 70% of the commander's offensive snaps in the 2022 regular season. Uh, You have the trade thing, the fact that Rod Rivera made the trade for Carson Wentz and may well want to give him every chance possible to justify the trade and or to make the trade look good. And there won't be any justifying of the trade or making it look good if Carson doesn't play again this season. And, you know, in fairness to Carson and Ron, as I just said, Carson has played well in some games this season. Perhaps he would play well in many more games this season and a return from injury. Uh, You have the playoff contention thing. Uh, The four and five commanders are in playoff contention, whether you want them to be or not. (laughs) Uh, They, even with the loss to the Vikings this past Sunday afternoon, are just a half game 
behind the 4-4 four four San Francisco 49ers for the NFC's third and final wildcard spot. And even if the Commanders lose at the Eagles this Monday night, the Commanders still will be in playoff contention and consider what their next two games are after this game at the Eagles. At the 1-6-1 Houston Texans on November 20th, home to the 4-5 Atlanta Falcons on November 27th. Even if the Commanders fall to 4-6, the path to 6-6 is right there. The Commanders are in playoff contention, whether you want them to be or not. And so this season, even with all that has happened with it already, still can be a playoff season for the team. And that brings us to the Sam Howell thing. Uh, As I have said, I do want to see Sam Howell play. I want to see what the commanders might have in him before we this coming offseason potentially embark on yet another quest for a franchise quarterback. But there's the question of how ready he is, because what you wouldn't want is for him to be nowhere near ready to play, play anyway, be a disaster, and then get benched right away. And Ron Rivera last month certainly didn't seem to think that Sam Howell was ready to play. Ron, after Carson Wentz got hurt, essentially said that there had been zero thought to going with Sam as a starting quarterback instead of Taylor Heineke. As soon as the commander season is over from a playoff contending standpoint, Sam Howell should be the team's starting quarterback. But as I just outlined, the team's season from a playoff contending standpoint may well not be over for a while. Now, what would be really interesting would be if the team is in playoff contention and it comes to be that Sam Howell gives the team the best chance to win. The ideal scenario would be the team is in playoff contention. It somehow comes to be that Sam is the best option at quarterback. He leads the team to the playoffs. It turns out that the commanders have their franchise quarterback already on the roster and we all live happily ever after, but uh, do not hold your breath on that scenario playing out. And then there's one more thing, and that thing is the ownership thing. If the commanders are in fact being sold outright and the team is going to have new ownership this coming offseason, where are we going with all of this anyway? I mean, is everything just going to be blown up anyway? Is new ownership going to come in, going to take a look at a team that has been bad for most of the last 30 years and just hit the nuclear button and just blow the whole thing up and start over. Because if that's happening, then if you're Ron Rivera, it may not matter what you do. You know, none of this may truly matter in the bigger picture if everything's about to be blown up anyway. So yeah, there are a number of things to be thinking about with the commander's quarterback situation the rest of the season. But what perhaps stands out more than anything else is this. The two things that we all wanted at quarterback for the team this season. The two things that we all have been yearning for and lusting after at quarterback for the team for decades now, excellence and stability. Uh, Neither one of those things is in effect, at least not right now. And it may well be that the team is just playing out another season in the quarterback wilderness before this coming off season, once again, trying to map out a strategy for acquiring a franchise quarterback, something that the team appeared to have as recently as five years ago. Up next, I'm going to discuss the commander's defense of its very good performance in the loss to the Vikings, including should the commanders be open to giving big money contract extensions to both interior defensive lineman Duran Payne 
and edge defender Montez Sweat. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, Commanders head coach Ron Rivera on Monday morning did a day-after-the-game conference call as opposed to a day-after-the-game press conference. Uh, there were a few things regarding the 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon that Ron addressed that are worth getting into. Uh, first of all, the costly penalty by interior defensive lineman John Ridgeway on special teams. Fourth quarter, 155 left, game tied at 17. John Ridgeway committed the unnecessary roughness penalty for coming down over the center on a made field goal by kicker Greg Joseph. The Vikings accepted what was a two-yard penalty for a first and goal at the two, ran three runs with the purpose of killing clock as opposed to trying to score a touchdown, and then had Joseph make a go-ahead 28-yard field goal for a 2017 lead with just 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The ensuing commander's offensive drive consisted of just one snap, and then the game was over. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday morning said that upon reviewing the game that he did not agree with that penalty call on John Ridgway. Uh, Commander's insider John Kime of ESPN on Monday morning tweeted that Ridgway had done something similar on a Vikings extra point, but that no penalty had been called. Uh, the Vikings thus alerted the officials. They were watching Ridgway closely on the field goal attempt, 
but the worst infraction actually was on the extra point. I don't want to get too bogged down in this, so I'll just bottom line it. If you go by the rules and review what happened in the game, it does appear as if Ridgeway technically was guilty of a penalty. Now, that was kind of a ticky-tack thing to call, but the Vikings astutely told the officials to watch out for Ridgeway. I mean, you have to commend the Vikings. That was high-level gamesmanship on their part, and the gamesmanship paid off. Uh, but the Commanders did not lose the game because of the John Ridgeway penalty. There has been too much focus on the Ridgeway penalty. A, the game was tied at 17. This was a chip shot field goal that, oh, by the way, Greg Joseph made. And so the Commanders still needed to drive down the field to at the very least kick a game-tying field goal. B, the top reason by far that the Commanders lost this game was their offense. Uh, don't get sucked into the trap of harping on the John Ridgeway penalty. The commander's offense was bad, uh, and that's why the team lost the game. The commanders in the game totaled just 17 points, went just 3 of 10 on third downs, generated just 263 total net yards of offense, averaged just 4.31 yards per play. And the commanders did all of this against a very pedestrian Vikings defense that was without a key player and interior defensive lineman Dalvin Tomlinson due to injury. Oh, the Vikings through week eight had the following rankings for the 2022 regular season for Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Number 21 in total defense, number 22 in pass defense, number 16 in run defense. And yet the commanders did what they did offensively in this game. The reason that the game was as close as it was, the reason that the Commanders had a 17-7 fourth quarter lead that they ended up blowing was their defense. And I do want to highlight some things about the team's defensive performance. So not only were interior defensive linemen Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne very good once again, but each guy was an Ironman. Uh, each guy ended up playing on 94% of the commander's defensive snaps. 94% of defensive snaps, that is a sky-high playing time percentage for an interior defensive lineman. And yet both John and Duran played on 94% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, Jonathan Allen had four quarterback hits and two tackles for loss, and he was the third highest graded commander's player for pro football focus for the game. He registered an overall grade of 80.5. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Duran Payne finished with a sack, two quarterback hits, and four tackles for loss. Uh, I mentioned John Allen's PFF grade for the game, edge defender Montez Sweat. He was the highest graded commander's player for pro football focus for the game. He registered an overall grade of 83. Uh, Montez had three quarterback hits and a pass defense. Uh, Deron Payne is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. Montez Sweat is a candidate for a contract extension this coming offseason, with him being set to play the 2023 season under the fifth-year option in his rookie contract. I know that it's not ideal to pay big money to three players at one position group, and the commanders, of course, already are paying big money to Jonathan Allen. And, you know, there's a larger conversation to be had of how the commanders may well have bungled the Duran Payne situation in this past offseason, not trying harder, if not not even trying at all to sign him to a contract extension, and then also not trading him. But could it be, might it be, that the commanders should just suck it up and pay John 
Duran, and Montez. I mean, all three guys have been so good this season. Uh, Guess who continues to have a step forward second NFL season? Linebacker Jamin Davis. Uh, He was the fourth highest graded commanders player for pro football focus for the game as he registered an overall grade of 74.9. Uh, Jamin in the game for PFF totaled four pressures over just seven pass rushing snaps. Uh, I don't want to overstate the season that Jamin is having, but he has been a lot better this season than he was last season. This is why you can't just write a guy off after a bad rookie season. And Jamin, in this good performance by the commander's defense, played a lot. Uh, he played on 82% of the commander's defensive snaps as Cole Holcomb was inactive for a second consecutive game due to a foot sprain. Also inactive for the commanders on Sunday was another linebacker, David Mayo, uh, due to a hamstring injury. The commanders are thin at linebacker to begin with. And so we, on Sunday afternoon, actually had John Bostic playing a good bit. Uh, Bostic played on 65% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, also, the commanders for the game brought up two linebackers from the practice squad to John Harris and Nathan Gary. Uh, Now, neither guy played on any of the team's defensive snaps, but those guys were available, uh, as was linebacker Kalik Hudson, who also did not play on any of the commander's defensive snaps. The commanders last Thursday signed a John Harris from the practice squad to the active roster and signed back Nathan Gary to the practice squad. And then they, on Saturday, elevated Gary from the practice squad to the active roster for the game. Uh, And the commanders back on October 21st signed Kalik Hudson from the practice squad to their active roster. Uh, A lot of six defensive back looks for the commanders on Sunday afternoon. Kendall Fuller played on 100% of the commanders' defensive snaps. Benjamin St. Juice, 100%. Cameron Curl, 100%. Bobby McCain, 97%. Danny Johnson, 76%. Derek Forrest, 65%. Uh, Now, with Benjamin St. Juice, Ron Rivera on Monday morning confirmed that the commanders on Sunday afternoon essentially had corner Benjamin St. Juice travel with the Viking stud receiver, heck, maybe the best receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson. How about that? BSJ was traveling with Double J. Uh, Now, the Juice had some problems, no doubt. I mean, Jefferson did finish with seven receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets, but the Juice also did some nice things. He has been a bright spot for the Commanders this season, and it's great seeing him stay healthy of that concussion-marred 2021 rookie season. Now, you heard me say that Danny Johnson on Sunday afternoon played on 76% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, How about what happened at nickel corner for the commanders in this game? They benched Rashad Wild Goose in favor of Danny Johnson. Wild Goose did not play on any of the commander's defensive snaps. Johnson played on 76% of the commander's defensive snaps. So this season, corner William Jackson III got benched and has since been traded. Uh, That led to Rashad Wild Goose playing, Jackson being benched. Now Wild Goose has gotten benched, leading to Johnson playing. Uh, Man, you cannot kill Danny Johnson. I give him a lot of credit. The commanders on October 25th announced the signing of Danny Johnson from the practice squad to the active roster. The commanders this past March re-signed Johnson as an unrestricted free agent. They, on August 30th in the cut down to 53, released Johnson, but they the next day signed him to their practice squad, and he was on that until October 25th. This is Danny Johnson's age 27 season and his fifth consecutive season with Washington, uh, which first signed him in April 2018 as an undrafted free agent 
at a Southern University. He's actually one of the longer tenured players on the team. If you don't count him having been cut by the team in multiple cutdowns to 53, he keeps being brought back by the team and then eventually promoted to the active roster. It was in October of last year that Washington signed Johnson from the practice squad to the active roster, and he ended up playing a good bit as the season went on. He became Washington's primary nickel corner as the season went on, and we're perhaps seeing something similar this season. Who knows? Well, wild win for the Capitals on Monday night. A much-needed win for the Caps. Uh, they improved to 6-6-2 and two with a 5-4 win over the Edmonton Oilers at Capital One Arena. The Caps snapped a four-game losing streak, although two of the losses had been non-regulation losses. Uh, the Caps, as we have discussed, have been like bludgeoned by injury. Uh, they, on Monday night, were without yet another key player due to injury. Defenseman Dmitry Orloff did not play due to a lower body injury that he suffered in the Caps' previous game, the 3-2 loss to the Arizona Coyotes at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. So the Caps on Monday night were without their top two defensemen, Orloff and John Carlson, due to injury, and were without six key forwards due to injury. Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, Carl Haglin, and Beck Malenstein. But the Caps on Monday night won, and thanks to their power play, which was sensational, the Caps on Monday night went a spectacular four of five on the power play. Yeah, four of five on the power play. The Caps' four power play goals were tied for the fourth most in a regular season game in franchise history. Uh, The Caps committed just two minor penalties to the Oilers' six. Uh, Forward Alex Ovechkin had a power play goal, a power play assist, a game-high tying five shots on goal, and a game-high 11 total shot attempts. Ovechkin moved into a tie for the third most multi-point regular season games for a winger in NHL history. Uh, Center Evgeny Kuznetsov had two power play goals and two power play assists. His four power play points tied a franchise record for the most power play points in a regular season game. Uh, Kuzi did commit a second period cross-checking minor, but geez, four power play points for Evgeny Kuznetsov on Monday night. Defenseman Eric Gustafson had three power play assists and a team-high tying three block shots. He did commit a third period hooking minor, but man, what a job by the Caps power play on Monday night. Four of five. This was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference on Monday night on the Caps power play. Um, I think the the power play is, has been really good. You know, we, we got off to a slow start at the start of the year. And I think the challenging thing is but there's been some pieces moving in and out of the lineup, and that makes it a little bit more difficult. We hadn't had a lot of practice time over the last 10 days, and, you know, so we're putting it together, you know, through video and through meetings and stuff like that. But, um, you know, they were really good tonight. They were good in zone. Uh, they're good on entry, good in zone, good off the faceoff play, and, and a really nice job. Yeah, no doubt. Also for the Caps on Monday night, big game for center Dylan Strome. Uh, He had two goals and an assist. It was odd. The Caps on Monday night scored five goals and yet just four different Caps registered points in the game. Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Eric Gustafson, 
and Dylan Strome. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was the cap starting goaltender on Monday night. He was a cap starting goaltender for a fourth time in 14 games in the 2022-2023 NHL regular season. He did give up four goals. Uh, he stopped just 25 of the 29 shots on goal that he faced. Lindgren, per natural stat trick, stopped just five of the nine high danger shots on goal that he faced. But the Caps went 1-1 on the penalty kill and facing a very good power play team in the Oilers. As I mentioned, the Caps on Monday night committed just two minor penalties to the Oilers' six, so the Caps did a good job of keeping the Oilers off the power play. And the Caps, of course, did a marvelous job on the power play. Uh, the Caps on Monday night scored more than three goals in a game for the first time in seven games. Uh, more from Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Monday night. Going back probably to Nashville, I thought it was probably the best game that we've had offensively. Like I said, I don't think the I don't think that we've been the last couple games and the last two losses, I don't think that we've been under siege defensively. It's just that we haven't been able to get that third goal and that fourth goal. Tonight we were able to do that. Um, but these these guys can come at us. I think defensively we're pretty good, but it was nice to get the it was nice to get the run support so that you can win a game if it has to be five four. And five four of course was the final score. For the Caps win over the Oilers at Capital One Arena on Monday night. Next up for the Caps, home to the Pittsburgh Penguins, Wednesday night at 7.30. Well, the Wizards, like the Capitals, played on Monday night. And the Wiz, like the Caps, got a much-needed win on Monday night. The Wizards improved to 5-6 with a 108-100 win at the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Wizards really needed this win. This was just their second win in seven games. The Wiz, since a 3-1 and one start, are just 2-5. and five. And while the Hornets are not a great team and were without some key players, the Wizards won what was the second game of a back-to-back -back and what was the third game in four days and won despite being without some key players. So the Hornets were without LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward due to injury, but the Wizards remained without Bradley Beal. Uh, he did not play for a second consecutive game due to being in the NBA's health and safety protocols. And the Wizards remained without DeLon Wright, uh, who was out due to a grade two right hamstring strain that he suffered in a 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on October 25th. The Wizards on Monday night in the fourth quarter led by two points at 86-84, then went on a 16-5 run for a 13-point lead at 102-89. The game was pretty close throughout, but the Wizards actually led throughout the fourth quarter. Uh, now, this was far from a pristine performance by the Wizards. They did hold the Hornets to just 5 of 32 on threes. You love that. But the Wizards allowed the Hornets to score 70 points in the paint. The Hornets went 35 of 63 in the paint. Uh, the Wizards won despite having just 10 offensive rebounds to the Hornets 17 and thus just 14 second chance points to the Hornets 22. And the Wizards won despite some bad shooting. The Wiz went 5 of 19 on threes. The Wizards continue to be terrible on threes this season. And the Wizards went just 19 of 30 on free throws. But the Wiz did go 37 of 61 on twos. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Monday night. That was a game of the ages. Uh, I mean, there's some good moments. But, um, you know, was, my messaging to them was... You know, we got to continue to build. Uh, at times, I, I didn't like the way we played. Got sloppy. Uh, at times, looked a little selfish. 
Um, and it, it, you know, we know it's hard to, to win second night of a back-to-back on the road. All that, you know, you, you're down a man, and, um, and this is life in the NBA. And it's most important that we continue to build the right habits. So it's great to get the win. And like I said, we we had some really good moments, but there were some stretches there where. We got to clean that up and make sure. Um, I think we're a better group than that. Yeah, so clearly Wes Unsell Jr. not thrilled with his team's performance on Monday night, and he was right not to be thrilled, but the Wizards did win. Uh, Kyle Kuzma in 31 minutes, 25 seconds as a starter, did go just one of three on threes, and did go a putrid one of five on free throws, but he also went eight of 13 on twos, finished with 20 points and six rebounds. Chris Damps Porzingis off a really bad game in the Wizards' previous game, the 103-97 loss at the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday evening was better on Monday night. Now, he in 30 minutes, 47 seconds as a starter, did go just one of six on threes and just six of eight on free throws, but he also went five of eight on twos, finished with 19 points, eight rebounds, and five assists versus one turnover. But maybe the biggest key to the game was the Wizards' bench production. Uh, The Wizards got some good performances off the bench. Rui Hachimura in 26-18 off the bench, 6-12 on twos. He did go just 4-7 on free throws and did have no assists versus two turnovers, but he finished with 16 points and three rebounds. Jordan Goodwin, uh, the rise of Jordan Goodwin continues. Uh, Goodwin on Monday night in 21 minutes, 23 seconds off the bench, one of one on threes, six of six on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 17 points, five assists versus one turnover, four rebounds, and two blocks. Jordan Goodwin, in going seven of seven from the field per the Elias Sports Bureau, became just the fifth player in the shot clock era, which began in 1954-55, to, in an NBA regular season game, shoot 100% on at least seven field goal attempts with seven or fewer career regular season games played. Uh, That is kind of an obscure stat, I'll grant you that, but Jordan Goodwin is doing a very nice job here lately. Uh, This is a guy who spent the majority of last season playing for the Wizards NBA G League affiliate, the Capital City Go-Go. The Wizards initially signed him in September 2021 to what's called an Exhibit 10 contract, Uh, but he is producing for the Wizards, and boy, did he produce on Monday night. Again, 21-23 off the bench, 17 points on 7-7 shooting, 5 assists, versus one turnover, four rebounds, and two blocks. Uh, Also good off the bench for the Wizards was Daniel Gafford. Now, he played for just 11 minutes, nine seconds. He actually left the game due to a neck strain, but then came back into the game. He went two of two on twos, had five points, and seven rebounds. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Dallas Mavericks, Thursday night at seven. All right, and the 2022-2023 college basketball season has begun. Uh, We, on Monday night, had a number of teams in action, including Maryland, number 18, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Uh, The Terrapins routed Niagara 71-49 at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. The Cavaliers beat North Carolina Central 73-61 at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. And the Hokies blew out Delaware State 95-57 at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, So with Maryland, uh, first game under new head coach Kevin Willard, a very good game for Dante Scott, who now is a senior. He's gotten himself into great shape, and he on Monday night in 35 minutes as a starter went four or five on threes. He finished with 18 points, 
six rebounds and two blocks. We also had the Maryland debut of point guard Jameer Young. Uh, he's a graduate transfer from Charlotte. Went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. Uh, Young on Monday night, 30 minutes as a starter. One of three on threes, four of seven on twos, three of four on free throws. He finished with 14 points, seven rebounds, four assists versus three turnovers and two blocks. And also on Monday night was the Maryland debut of Donald Carey, a graduate transfer from, yes, Georgetown. Uh, Carey in 28 minutes as a starter, went just one of six on threes. He finished with five points. The Terps' starting lineup was Scott Young, Carey, Julian Reese, and Hakeem Hard. A big year for Julian Reese. He's a sophomore, was a consensus four-star recruit from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Did not have the freshman season that I'm sure that he wanted to have, uh, but obviously a lot can change between your freshman year and your sophomore year. New coaching regime, new time here for Maryland basketball. Hopefully Julian Reese ends up having a big season. Uh, as for Virginia, good game for Armand Franklin on Monday night, 34 minutes, 52 seconds as a starter, 4-7 on threes. He finished with 21 points and four rebounds. And for Virginia Tech on Monday night, how about the Hokies debut of this guy, Grant Basile? Uh, he's a graduate transfer from Wright State. Grant Basile in just 25 minutes as a starter, 30 points. Uh, he went 6-9 on threes and 6-7 on twos. He finished with 30 points and 10 rebounds. Did have one assist versus four turnovers, but whatever. Uh, Basili was a good player at Wright State. There was some anticipation for his Virginia Tech debut, and uh, he did not disappoint. Also, good game for Hokies point guard Sean Padula. 29 minutes as a starter, 5-8 of eight on threes. He finished with 18 points, 8 assists versus 2 turnovers and 4 rebounds. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 439. We'll feature a special guest talking commanders. I'm going to leave it at that because there are multiple possibilities, but I promise you that I will have a high level, high IQ guest talking commanders. Also on Wednesday show, I'll hit on Georgetown basketball. The Hoyas 2022-2023 season opener is on Tuesday night. Home to Coppin State at 8.30. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. All right, all right, all right. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.